Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello. Thank you for going to the Les Schwab Twires. Twires? I don't know. Hello. We appreciate you going to the Les Schwab. Les Schwab. Why can't like you Vive, say tires? Vive Clicquot. It's the same Just thing. Just say tires. Uh, where, where do we pick up from? Hi, uh, everyone. You're listening to the Center and the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Darkins, well, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab Tires. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 1952. Rise and shine, jerks. It's football time. Send your wife to brunch, ship the kids off to grandma's, and tell your girlfriend you're busy. He loves his wife, and he takes care of his kids, and, and he's got a good life. The Sinner and the Saint are here to get you ready for the weekend's gridiron action. We're going to get you all set up with everything you need to know about what's going on in college football this Saturday. Frostbrood Coors Light presents the Sinner and the Saint tailgate show with gluten-free former Beavers fullback Will Darkins. Here's your host and junior varsity legend, Luke Anderson on 1080 The Fan. It's just an unfortunate side effect of beer plus football plus just being an idiot. Football! Hey, happy Saturday, kids. Welcome back to the studio. This is the first time in three weeks we've been in here together. Yeah. Yeah, we were at Danner Boots. And then, uh, oh, last weekend I got to go to the Tacoma Dome. And do play-by-play uh, color commentary with Alex Crawford for the uh, Washington State Championship game at the two-way level. And the Hawkinson Hawks won a state championship. All what right. That? Congrats, Hawkinson. It was fun. Where you is ever that? You done play-by-play? Where is Hawkinson? Hawkinson is just north, northeast of uh, Vancouver. It's where the boss lives. His kids go to that school. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't know that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, no, I've never done play-by-play before. I don't think I could do play-by-play because I would just go into, like, just strictly saying what's going on. Like, I don't think I would have enough knowledge but to see, actually, like, play But see, that's the color it. commentary. That's the color commentary. You sit there and you watch it, and you, you know. So here's the fun thing. So it's it's Hawkinson who only throws the ball. I think they ran the ball twice in the first half. And then they were playing against Tumwater, who only runs the ball. And they threw the ball maybe four times in the entire game. Yeah. Only because they were down. Like, if they had the lead, they never would have thrown the ball. Some hot Washington yeah. football talk. Oh, man, I tell you what, it was great. Boy. Though. Absolute blast. We did, should, they, we should... did they have good food at the Tacoma Dome? Actually, they did. Had a very good hamburger afterwards. Mm. Like, There's nothing like a high school hamburger. Well, in high school, it's a Tacoma Dome hamburger. Yeah, it's but a they great had, concert venue. That's a they they do all kinds. So of they things. brought in the regular caterers from the Tacoma Dome. So yeah, so this is what they do, and this is why Washington State High School football championships are great. They do two days. The first day is Friday night. They play two championship games, and then the next day they play four in a row. So they have all the vendors and stuff there, and they just cycle in the different groups of fans for different teams, or you can stay all day if you want to. So we stayed and watched the next game. It's great. God, you are a college football, oh, I'm sorry, high school football addict. I honestly think that uh, I'm going to go to that whether or not one of the Southwest Washington teams makes it there next year or not. 
My dad came down from Port Angeles. We watched the games. It was, it was honestly, I will say it's more fun than watching all these stupid coaches searches go round in circles and everybody be wrong about who's going to be the head coach everywhere. What do Bo you mean? Bo Baldwin's going to be the coach at Oregon State. It's going to be great. I wasn't saying that. I don't uh, think I ever reported that. You didn't report. I didn't say you. Well, did we? We never reported that we at Tanner Boots, did we? No, we just talked about here's the candidates that could possibly come up, and we talked about it from your perspective as a former player. But that's who they had, right? That was the report going into the the hire, and then it's Jonathan Smith. Yeah. And then, oh, oh, oh watch out, Kevin Sublin. He's coming to Oregon. Nope. Nope. Mario Cristobal. Now, no matter what you think about Mario Cristobal, there we do have breaking news. What did you tell me before the show went on air about Mario Cristobal? You mean about The Rock? And his weight room battles. So The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson endorsed Mario Cristobal uh, as the head coach of Oregon, which is kind of a weird, uh, I mean, I know they played together at Miami, but it's kind of a, uh, a weird shout out. Why? I don't know. I wouldn't have thought they were such great friends. Why not? Did you not hear about the epic weight room battles that they had? So uh, The Rock says, quote, phenomenal choice by Oregon football tapping Mario Cristobal as head football coach. Coach Cristobal and I had many badass tough battles on the field and in the weight room as we were teammates at the University of Miami. Smart, tough, and motivating championship DNA. Congrats, brother. Battles in the weight room. You never had weight room battles? No, no what? one does that. I, weight oh. room battles? I'm going to lift more than you. I'm sorry. Ah! You like to do a little bit more research on that? What year? No, I'm going to lift more than you. Oh! What year did they go to school together? What was that, the 80s? Uh, late 80s, early 90s? Yeah. Oh, there were weight room battles. I think Why that's was all that? there were. Those were prevalent back then? Dude, everybody wore half shirts back then. Of course they were prevalent you back then. You obviously haven't been to the gym lately. People still wear half shirts. Oh, are they? Yeah. No, no. College football players wore half shirts yeah, well, the jerseys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their jerseys were half shirts. Yeah. It's very different doing it in the gym versus like, all right, you guys ready to play? Get the half shirts on. Let's get out there. Everybody's showing the abs. So are you trying to tell me that half shirts perpetuate the idea that we got a battle when it comes to the weight room? Like, do, when do you stop? Okay, so when you go to the gym now, yeah. do the guys wearing half shirts look for a battle? No, this is what it's like at the gym now. Now, there's a couple guys who are wearing the half shirts, but they got their headphones on and they're getting as close as they can to a weight rack with a hot chick. Yeah. So then they could show how much they lift. So then, which by the way, this happens quite a, li a lot. The hot chick will see them lifting a lot of weight, come over to him and go, man, that's a lot of weight. You just lifted. What are you doing tonight? Yeah. Happens all the time. No, exactly. Yes. But they think they in think their minds that yes. house. So if somebody challenged that guy to a weight room battle, He'd be all in. If somebody challenged me to a weight room battle. Not you. Gym, not you. Yeah. No. No, I know. Half shirt guy. guy walks up to other half shirt guy. Two half shirts. And they challenge each other to a weight room battle. It's a whole shirt. It's on. You. Th no, I, mean, I don't I'd think like it's a whole shirt. That. I don't think it's a whole shirt. Not a lot of guys wearing the bottom half of a shirt. It's still two half shirts. You would need a guy wearing the top half of a shirt, which is the traditional half shirt. He'd need to find a guy wearing the bottom half of a shirt. And I don't think that exists. You'd have to have suspenders. The whole thing would be weird. Yeah. Like somebody's really hap happy with the top half of their uh, chest, but they're like, I don't want to show my belly. Maybe you got a hairy chest. 
55305. Anybody ever see anybody wearing the bottom half of a t-shirt? That's a Bridgeport, Bridgeport Beers text line. Bridgeport Beers text line. Yeah, I know. I just said that. So Mario Cristobal was promoted to head coach for the Oregon Ducks. The Oregon Ducks. Yeah. That's who they are. Hmm. So. I didn't know how to feel about this. I think you're going to dump on it. Go ahead. Mm, I'm not going to totally yeah, dump on it. You're going to dump on it. Just go ahead and do it, and then I'll tell you why you're dumb. I'm going to give it a thumb and a half up. What? And a thumb and a half. Which half of the thumb? Mm, give, it, give, him the, give him the top. Top half give of the, the thumb. the top of the thumb. So it's like, is it one thumb with thumb. two tops, like two nails on it? Here's or? why I like the hire. Okay, is because ahead. this, to me, is very reminiscent of what USC did with Clay Helton, right? USC had this whole problem for a while where after Pete Carroll, they kept trying to replace Pete Carroll, right? So you realize the way that Sark left and the yeah. way Willie Taggart left, very different. They're very different. I okay. agree with you. but And Clay Helton coached half a season. Mario Cristobal has not coached a game. Well, so but he has head coached. I understand that, but from this perspective, it's nothing like that. Just it's wanna... like it in this sense. Okay. Both of those schools were chasing something, whether it be USC. Oh, they're chasing the glory days. Yes, glory USC days. was chasing the glory days of Pete Carroll and trying to bring people yep. in that were familiar, like Pete Carroll, to say, hey, let's do this. And that was more of a boost. So Lane, Lane Kiffin was his OC at one point when yep. he left Tennessee and came back. Sark was an OC. And Sark was an OC. He was like an assistant OC or something. But. <laughs> You then have something at Oregon where it's kind of similar where they're trying to get that exciting hire like Chip Kelly was, but they already had the experience of saying, well, we went with the trusty thing of Mark Helfrich and that didn't work. I guess he took you to a national title, but now they're kind of going back to the whole Mario Cristobal thing as saying, Hey, let's try to find a little bit of stability in this. We have an incredible recruiting class behind them. There's no way in hell we're not going to win nine games next year. Let's just stabilize the thing. I agree with the pick, but at the same time, I'd like to see where this goes in a couple of years. I think he's going to well, yeah, be that's successful ev- that's no matter everything, what. Though. But that's everything. If you say, like, we're doing reactions to the hire. We're not going, like, you never know what's going to happen. Mario Cristobal, uh, well. Well, Ohio State hired Urban Meyer. I think he pretty much knew what was going to happen. Well, I didn't know what his health would do. I mean, the reason that he left Florida, because he wasn't feeling great, right? He he physically, you know, thought that his, his life was in danger. There's so that's why he left. where you just kind of know. Well, I know, but would you be surprised if, if after next season, so another playoff uh, miss or something, he goes, uh, you know, this is too much pressure on my old ticker. I'm going to bow out again. Cristobal did that? No, no, no. Urban Meyer. Oh. Eh. But that's what I would worry about with him. So you don't know how long-term he is, I guess is my thing. That would be my concern, right? Because he won back-to-back national championships at Florida. Why would you ever leave? I don't think he's leaving for another job. But here's the thing about Cristobal that I like is that, kind of like you said it, you're keeping the momentum going. But the one thing that everybody points to as kind of the sour spot on his resume is how terrible he did at his one head coaching stop, which was Florida International. And all of the reports, and yesterday, if anybody listened to any of the press conference stuff of him talking about it or read any of the kind of look backs at at it, uh, somebody was on with Isaac Souk yesterday. I can't remember who it was. I probably should have that information. Nah. I apologize. But they were saying that this may have been the worst program in the history of Division One football to the point they did not have a weight room. A guy who now will forever be known because it's connected with him and The Rock, known for weight room battles, 
went into a school that did not have weight rooms. In the press conference, he talked about going to do a scrimmage game at the Orange Bowl, and none of the buses showed up because they didn't pay the bill for the buses. All the coaches and all the support staff had to take the players over in cars. They just divided it up. He's telling this story in the press conference. So when you look at it and you go, 27-47 over six years, that's not a very good hood coaching resume. I'm sorry, what job did he get after that? Oh, he went to Alabama. And what was, oh, he's a director of recruiting at Alabama for Nick Saban for four years. It's got to give you some confidence. Mm. No? It gives me a little bit of confidence. The guy was rated the number one recruiter in the nation twice. And number number two last year. To be fair, if you're recruiting with Nick Saban, it pretty much is on Nick Saban. If you know anything about Nick Saban, the book uh, by Monty Burke that talks about Saban and his recruiting practices, Saban, of course, is somebody who is absolutely hands-on with everything that he does. But when it comes to recruiting, he's even more hands-on. He takes it as a hobby. So I'm sure that Chris Ball had a lot to do with the recruiting there. But when you're Nick Saban and you're Alabama, that doesn't seem like that tough of a job. I think the toughest job for him is going to be to tap that California market coming up here in the next two or three years. And that's why I say I want to see what happens in the next two to three years with Chip Kelly down there in UCLA. That is a huge worry to me for Oregon because I think he's going to really get those Southern California prospects to buy into what's going on at UCLA. And that's what made Oregon so successful in the past. Well, but what was the big praise of Willie Taggart? He's able to get Florida kids to Florida come up kids, there. Yeah. Okay, so Cristobal's got the ties to Florida. He's, Does he have it as strong as Taggart, though? He won two national championships at University of Miami. He was a grad assistant when they won. Was he the uh, head coach a, there? Oh, he was just a player? Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, how many national championships did Taggart win at uh, South Florida? Doesn't matter. That's the same thing as like Scott Frost going oh, to Nebraska geez. and everybody going like, oh my God, it's the prodigal son coming home. You know, 18 year olds don't even know why Nebraska is popular, right? You know, they're, they they like don't even know, they, they don't even like remember or are aware that Nebraska was super dominant in the 90s. Yes, like they don't but, care. But parents do. And you go, guess. Go, you guess, you, you guess that parents from Nebraska might kind of care about national championships. That's not where you're recruiting. You're when you were recruited, nobody talked to your parents. Well, they did, but I don't think my mom or dad really cared about national titles. In fact, all well, they really cared about is where Oregon I wanted State. to go. That's yeah. it. Well, I, under, I understand that, but there is some sway when you walk into a kid's living room and your parents go, oh, yeah, this guy won a national championship with Nebraska. But you're not going to have every parent know that kind of stuff. I in understand fact, that you're not going to have time. every parent, but there is an advantage. And and the ties to South Florida, when you talk about a guy that won national championships at Miami and won national championships as a coach on the Alabama staff, you, how does that not influence kids? That influences kids. Yeah. Again, if you were the head coach, Jeez, there's a difference. I understand that, but you're you're poo- fresh you're, in the mind. You're poo pooing the idea that the guy learned anything from Nick Saban. You go, oh yeah, well that was an easy job because Nick Saban was there. I mean, he didn't probably do any of the work. I mean, yeah, he was the number one recruiter in the country, but he didn't do any of it, right? Is that what you said? Okay, yeah. okay. I'm sure he did some work. <laughs> I'm just sure his job was made a lot easier because Nick Saban was helping him recruit. Of course it was, but okay. Let me ask you a question. Okay. If you could choose any coaching tree for your next head coach to come from, what would it be? Chris Peterson. Would it really? Kind of, yeah. Well, congratulations. Saban's coaching tree is a little shaky. 
there, there's it's kind of like bipolar in that like there's you're, the you're, massive you're level. You're so bad at this. But there's the you're massive so level. You're so terrible at this. There's you're, the massive oh, level stop, of success up, like Kirby Smart. Let me just tell you what you just did yeah. to ruin this radio show. Oh, okay. You just I just said what coaching tree do you want to go from? You told me that we were going into a break. You go, hey, what coaching tree do you want to? Be? You gave the perfect answer, which was Chris Peterson. And what's our next topic? I don't know. Oh, sorry. It's Chris Peterson, right? Oh, sorry. It's his coaching tree. It's his coaching tree. Well, it's not necessarily. Oh, but it's, you had the perfect transition and you blew it. Thank you. <laughs> I'm a genius. <laughs> I'm, I'm distracted. That's different. Speaking of the Chris Peterson coaching tree, let's turn our focus to the Chris Peterson coaching tree and Oregon State football. They made a hire that you think is bizarre. We'll discuss that next. Sinner and Saint, 1080 The Fan. We are off to an exciting start to the center of the Saint. I'm all fired up. Will's wearing a vest. Today is going to be awesome. It's a vest over a sweatshirt. That, well, here's, I just want to give people a little peek behind the curtain. Normally what we do is we kind of go through each topic that we're going to discuss on the show. And we have kind of a pre-conversation about this. But uh, for the next one, we actually kind of intentionally didn't talk about it. So I have no idea what your reaction is going to be to the news that we heard about Oregon State this week. So as everybody I'm sure knows by now is last week, Jonathan Smith was announced as the head coach of your Oregon State Beavers, which I think a lot of people are excited about. You bring back a guy that's familiar with Corvallis. He's worked for Chris Peterson, which is obviously a great uh, feather in the cap for you. He's, you know, the guy that won the Fiesta Bowl for you at quarterback. But here's what happened this week. Mike Riley is back as the assistant head coach. And Will, I will step out of the way and get your reaction to it now. I've, so, I've gone almost entirely off facial expressions till this point. So I'm very curious what you think of this. So is he assistant to the head coach? Like he goes and gets coffee? head coach. Like, like hey, uh, Mike, I've got some stuff on the printer. Can you go pick it up for me? Like yeah. assistant to the head coach that way? See, that's kind of the distinction that I am waiting to see what will happen. So this hire to me, I, I know kind of was thought about because a rumor was put out before Smith was even hired was that they were going to hire Smith and Derek, uh, sorry, Dennis Erickson to the same kind of combo, right? They were going to hire Jonathan Smith and then have Dennis Erickson do the ap apprentice thing. Well, you have a right? first-time head coach, so yeah. the idea was bring back. So he played yeah. for Dennis Erickson. I don't know what the timeline was with Mike Riley around then. So Dennis Erickson was his head coach. Yeah. When he well, won. Riley recruited him, and then when he Erickson won the festival, yeah, 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 exactly. But as so, we know, Mike Riley leaves and always comes back. Yeah, and so with this, I, I think there's two ways to look about it. Uh, you know, as a player. I love Mike Riley, and uh, honestly... And for those that don't know, you played for Mike Riley. At I Oregon did, State. and I, I, I love Mike Riley, and I thought he was a very good coach in terms of kind of carrying you along the process of being a football player in college because the major difference between being a football player in college and being a football player in high school is that you never realize until you get there that this is a serious job. It's not really just fun. It is a serious job at a certain point. And with Riley, he was able to kind of ease you into that. That's the good part of him. Okay. The bad part was that he was very resistant to change. Anything that we ever did always had to revolve around this 
base understanding of what an offense was or what a defense was, no matter what. And there were a couple of exceptions, like having James Rogers, where you'd put him in the slot and have the fly sweep. And of course that worked very well. But again, we didn't really go forward or revolutionize our offense in any way as Oregon was doing it during my four, four and a half years there. Mm -hmm. So that's where I start being concerned is that I love the part of him that he's a great head coach and a player's guy, but the strategy part of it, I really hope doesn't leak into what Jonathan Smith does. Well, I, I think, hope, I think you go to, I hope that doesn't happen. Well, yeah, but bringing in, you know, the elder statesman, uh, the guy that's been there before, I think it's just in a guess. It's probably exactly what you're talking about. He can help bring those players along, but he doesn't have the final say. He's not the head coach. He's we, we hope not. See, that's what I'm hoping. Well, yeah, but if you're Jonathan Smith, it's your job on the line. So to, to let somebody else, to move out of the way and let somebody else have the final say on anything would be a huge mistake. And bringing somebody in that can be that mentor and, and help, you know, I mean, help with recruiting, help with putting together the staff, dealing with that, because all the new things that go along with being a head coach. I mean, you're not just in control of the of the players. It's your coaching staff. It's dealing with boosters. It's talking to the media. It's doing all of that. And if you can let Mike Riley step in in those situations where kind of the non-football things go and take care of some of that administrative pressure and you can just focus on football. I think it's a great move, but I think you're absolutely right. You have a guy that, you know, he was, he was good at, at Oregon state. And I mean, you he look was great at Oregon state. He was very, very good. He was very you're saying good. Mike Riley. Yes. Yeah. He was very good for a time. Yeah. And that's the concerning part is that when he went to Nebraska, you saw the age, you yep. saw that he was resistant towards going forward and doing something new. And that scares me in terms of having somebody like Jonathan Smith there. Now, if you're going to be somebody who was under Chris Peterson's coaching tree, you are obviously very, you're a very, I don't want to say controlling person, but you have a very distinct idea of what your goal is going to be. That's kind of like what Peterson is. Yeah. Peterson came to Washington and he goes, I have a plan. Here's how it's going to go. If you're with me, you're with me. If you're not, get off the train. Yeah. And I don't want Riley to go in there and instill that same kind of culture where it's going to kind of be his way or something in between. It, it It's a it's an interesting hire, but it also kind of scares me. Yeah. Like I said, if I do think the recruiting is good. I, I agree with that because that was probably the best part about Mike Riley at Oregon State. He was one of the most creative recruiters you could be. It's pretty hard to get dudes from Southern California to come live in Corvallis. Yeah, I just, I the initial thought that I had is it's very much an administrative mentorship and it's not going to be a football mentorship. And and if you're, if you're Jonathan Smith, the most important thing that you can do is put your stamp on the way the team plays on the field. Like that's the one thing in the program. You want it to go, you know, this is, I don't know if this is his final destination or not, or if he wants to use this as, you know, an opportunity to get to something bigger. You think playing in Corvallis and, and being on the West coast is important to him. If he got the job, you would think that was a big part of the conversation, especially since the last guy left in the middle of a season because he just couldn't handle it and gave Who's back, that, Gary? gave back $12 million. Oh, you mean Gary? Yeah, Gary. So Damn it, Gary, <laughs> So you want you want to establish an identity, and I think that is mostly football. And and I think being able to bring Mike Riley in to help you with all of the other things that cloud it, so you can focus more on football, is brilliant. I uh, I'm considering calling him up and trying to get a job over there. Are you really coaching the fullbacks? Are you really? 
Would you kind want of. would you want to be a college football coach? A college football coach. I'd have to recruit. And I don't know if I'd be very good at recruiting. Why? Because you're honest? No. <laughs> mostly because I, I can't relate to 18-year-olds. <laughs> you can't relate to 27-year-olds. Yeah. I can relate to older people, but then when it comes to, and maybe that I'd be good with the parents. I'd be pretty good with the parents, but when it came to the 18-year-old when he was like, I just want to get on the field and play, I think maybe you're right. I'd be too honest to be like, man, I've seen your tape. I don't think that's going to happen. Listen, if you're going to get on the field right away, Oregon State wouldn't be here. Yeah, look, if if you think you're going to start, then there's a problem with me being in the living room. Yeah, exactly. I've probably got better things to do. We're looking for a third-string possible tight end possible fullback combo and that's what we see you as yeah because there's a lot of those out there there's a great text from the bridgeport beers text line 55305 riley is in corvallis to scope hidden talent and recruit to corvallis i love this hire if he's there to mentor smith i hate it that's interesting i think it's i think it's again what capacity is he a mentor yeah you know what i mean like like is he gonna be around the uh, around the complex a lot you know what i mean like i want him to be like i want this to be like the sean mcveigh thing where they let Jonathan Smith like handle all the day in day out. He's talking to the team. He's the face. He's the, he is the head of this, of this program. But then you have a couple of people in the back kind of making sure all the screws aren't loose and everything is running as it should be. Like what what works so well with McVay is the fact that he runs the entire offense and then defensively he's hands off and it's like Wade Phillips, that's you. Yeah. I'm hoping that's the case with Jonathan Smith. Well, and you have to see what the rest of the staff looks like for for Oregon State. That's true. But but at the same time, if you're Jonathan Jonathan Smith and you're you're you know working on you know what, whether it's a game plan or a practice regiment, having a guy you can look to that's been there and done that, and just going, hey Mike, what do you think of this? He gives his opinion, and then again, you leave your head coach with the final decision on that, or you have Mike Riley in a capacity. He goes. Hey, uh, Jonathan, I really like what we're doing here, but have you thought about X, Y, Z? Here's why I think that that's a great guy to have around. And there's nobody that knows Corvallis better. And there's nobody that knows this program better. And I think the, the main thing for me is you have two guys that are highly motivated to make it su- succeed. I mean, as bad as it was for Mike Riley in Nebraska, I mean, he had to have been heartbroken when he saw Gary Anderson leave and just going, ah, man, really? Don't you think? I mean, I, I'm sure he was caught up in his stuff, but you know he keeps one eye on it, and you just go, ah, that sucks for for a school that I've spent a ton of time at to see them win one football game this year. Uh, I think you take Mike Listen, Riley. I'm not saying he's taking a ton of time thinking about it, but you know he keeps an eye on Corvallis. That sucks. I think you take him as more of a homer than he really is. Mike Riley is a very pragmatic business person. He, he very much... The, the image that he do you, has. Do you genuinely think that he, when he left Corvallis, he goes, I hope you guys burn. No, but I don't. Th- I think That's he was what in, happened. But I think he was indifferent. From a head coaching standpoint, it burned to the ground. But I it think looked he, like Los Angeles right now. But I right think now. he looked at it and probably, he, he didn't look at it in terms of, oh, God, that's so sad. He probably looked at it and goes, I'm going to get fired here pretty soon. I should go apply. He really did, though, because that's what you have to be as a college head coach. As much as his public appearance would make him seem like the total nice guy of college football, 
that dude is just as pragmatic and business-like as any of the rest of them. He knows that at the end of the day, it's about dollar value and how much can I get out of this before I have to retire. He's literally squeezing as much as he can out of this because after he got fired from Nebraska, there was a huge consensus that dude should retire. Yeah, I think this he is really a perfect. Should've. I think this is a great job for him too, though. Yes, I, I think it's good for him. I think it's good for coach, the university. You're I, not going to coach in any other capacity. Like you're not yep. getting another head coaching job. You could get an assistant job, but Jesus, you're 60 something. Yeah. Like, do you want to do that? My thought was either something like this, or as I told you, position coach in the NFL. Just, just show up during the season and, and just, all you got to do is coach. Mm. Uh, all you got to do is coach the holder for, he's extra not an NFL guy goals. though, you know, well, he was, uh, he was, well, listen, he wasn't a great head Nick coach Sidney in the was, NFL. Hey, he's not. He wasn't a great head coach in the NFL, but again, Position coach in the NFL, I think it's a pretty good job. What's the guy, uh, Skarnekia, uh, dude for dude for New England? He's our O-line coach. He tried to retire. They're like, no, 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 we need you back. Tom Cable might get a head coaching job out of being the O-line coach in, in Seattle. Tom Cable, yikes. Hey, listen. He's a great O-line coach. He, he but that's that whole conversation between, like, are you an assistant or are you a head coach? Mike Riley is a head coach. He is not an assistant. I'm, I'm, He's an assistant to the head coach. I'm just saying, if, if 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 my last job coaching in college as a head coach went down in flames, I'd be like, where can I go? I'd be looking. That's where I would look. Because then, again, you don't have to recruit. You're just during the season. You focus on tight ends and maybe fullbacks. Tight ends, I'll tell you right now, are right on the lower rung of, like, special teams coach. Yeah, and special it, teams coach would be a good one, too. Special teams coach. Actually, I, that would be, if you're going like to take a job. That's, slightly more important. Yeah. Like tight ends coach, it's down there. Kickers coach, just for kickers. The two, no, that's special teams. No, no, no. There so is no kickers coach. Sure there is. No, there's not. Not <laughs> at Oregon State, there's not. I'll bet you there's one for Alabama. There's I'll no bet you Alabama's got coach. two. He's got, they have a punting coach and a kicking coach. Got a huge payroll for us. It's the coaching. special teams coordinator. All right. This is enough college football. We are going into a great stretch of NFL football. My favorite time of the year. The last four weeks uh, kick off, kicked off on Thursday. Uh, this is going to be a great weekend. We'll uh, take a look at that next. Center and Saint, 1080 The Fan. If you're not busy right now and all you're doing is listening to this fine radio program, I suggest you go to a computer or onto your cellular device and Get go to Twitter. Go to Twitter and go to at uh, SinnerSaint1080 and vote on our uh, little, uh, what do you call it, a poll? It's a poll question. Is it a Sinner Saint poll? Do we have a name for the poll? Sure. If you'd like to sponsor our Twitter poll, uh, just give us a call uh, anytime uh, or text us, 55305. That's the Bridgeport Bears text line. But here's our poll. Uh, when should the Trailblazers fire Terry Stotts? Your options right now. After the Rockets ass kicking, after the Warriors ass kicking, or after the season. And right now, after the season is uh, up by, uh, it's up 53%. 53% of the vote going to after the season. Uh, we'll talk about the Blazers at the top of next hour. But right now, I want to get into the NFL. So uh, you've got what I think was an important game. I won't say it was a great game because the Falcons won on Thursday night, uh, Matt Ryan throwing three picks and the saints looked like they had the game in hand and had to kind of work their way back uh, just for Drew Brees to throw an interception in the end. Did you see the end of that game? Yeah, it was pretty awesome. That interception. I have a big question for you. Okay. Uh, Deion Jones yes. linebacker mm -hmm. jumps up, catches the ball yeah. Chooses not to put his legs underneath his body. What is he doing there? 
He's making a pick. He's making a play. I know, but he kind of falls back like he's falling into water. That looked very painful. I love that play because that's quintessential Drew Brees. Oh. Just like that's quintessential Drew Brees uh, at the end of a game after 2010. Oh. Just really? like, oh, crap. Um, Here we go. Just going to throw it up there. This is a very different Saints team. I feel like he still thinks Jimmy Graham's on his team. I think that was more great defense than it was necessarily a terrible throw because he throws into tight windows like that all the time. I mean, that's he kind does. of what he does. But I, he does that at the end of games where he really shouldn't be. Like, you shouldn't be pushing that hard. Like, I respect that about Breeze that you're right. He will throw into tight windows, but he does it at points in the game that are smart. Like, it's calculated. Yeah. At that point in the game, when you're in the end zone, you're in the red zone like that well, and how about being down a field goal and sitting right there yeah, yeah. just uh, bide your time find the sure thing i mean he's smarter than that but that's that's kind of the pitfall of drew Brees. at least with age he he doesn't make the best decisions that's why the saints are really interesting they, they've kind of transitioned into this huge running game with mark ingram and kamara is that you know let's let's reduce the number of times that breeze has to throw so that the number of mistakes don't outweigh the great the great decisions that he made. Well, that's the other thing that happened in Thursday night's game is you lost Kamara on the first play of the game. You ended up being like three running backs deep by the end of that. I yeah. mean, the, the Saints got decimated in that game. And that's, you heard a lot of people pissing and moaning about the, the you know, post game, like this, we, this is why you shouldn't play Thursday night football. Yeah. And then, of course, you have the, the Sean Payton penalty trying to get a timeout when the whole there's a yeah. scrum out at center field. Nobody's paying attention to it. So it runs out in the field. That's a bad look for the officials. The, it, is it spirit, a, spirit of the law, not letter of the law. Come on, kids. Is it a bad thing that every team Adrian Peterson has left just gets better? He's left two teams. Yeah, and they've both gotten a lot better. Yeah, but the crazy thing about the Vikings is they lost. Uh, not only did they lose Adrian Peterson, they had one of the most promising rookie running backs this year. They lost him, and they're on their third quarterback. The Vikings, well, the Vikings are an anomaly. So let, I, let, I, let's just take out Sam Bradford from that because you know you just assume he's going to get injured. Yeah, after but, but three Bradford, games. Yeah, but Bradford came out and you're like MVP. He finally yeah, with then a good he got team. injured like two I games know, later. Of course yeah. he did, as you would expect. You just have to know that going into it. I expect that, yes. Like, fully. you should sign uh, Sam Bradford if, like, you're three games out from the playoffs and you're trying to get a wild card spot, and you're like, all right, come on, Bradford, learn that offense. Yeah, get on it, buddy. Yeah. Get so, on. I just think it's hilarious that every team Peterson has left. But and I, it's funny. I, I, I just don't think you're right about that. Well, why? Because at the start of the season, when Adrian Peterson was on that team, you remember he was having arguments with Sean Payton on yeah, the sidelines. Yeah, but he sidelines. wasn't getting the ball. They didn't need him. Yeah, I don't, because I don't every time any... they gave him the ball, he sucked. Yes, but I don't think anybody saw this coming from Alvin Kamara. Did you? Did you have him circled as your... Uh... I can't say I did, but the fact they got Peterson out of there at least gave him the opportunity. Yeah, but he wasn't getting carries. That was his. That's the reason he was getting arguments, because he wasn't getting the ball. And you don't give him the ball when you have a rookie that's faster than greased lightning oh ow what a reference yeah grease lightning grease go grease lightning no just saying the nfl is starting to get very interesting the afc west has completely imploded to the point where my preseason pick the los angeles chargers now have a chance to win the division and make some real i told you i was rooting for them this year I hate Why? The, I did hate the did I not tell you that the, all the reasons to root for him? How I, are you not rooting for this team? I hate the fact that we consider the Chargers like the hottest team in the league right now, and they're friggin' six and six. Yeah. They're in the worst division in football. It's they're not out, the hottest team it's right now. Outstanding. They're just better than the pile of crap under them. Like, that's hey, it. Hey, that's important. They're like the Seahawks were um, 
a couple of years ago when the NFC West was horrible. You remember that? And the Seahawks, this, like, this was t- the in. Tavares Jackson yeah, yeah. Uh, Seahawks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's fantastic. They can't even fill their soccer stadium. I know. I told you the most disrespected NFL team, they were an afterthought. I cannot wait for them to make a playoff run. And everybody's going to say, oh, they can't do anything. Even if they make the playoffs, it's, it's you know. Can they actually win a game yeah, in the playoffs? Philip Rivers, that's what. Well, when's the last time they won a playoff game? They never win playoff games. They're <laughs> going, I'm telling you, man. You got to root for the Chargers with me. Get I on th- board. Somebody I get think, on the bandwagon with me. I, the only bandwagon I'm on is the other team in Los Angeles, which is the Rams, which, by the way, dude, the Rams, there was a, actually an interesting tidbit I heard uh, on the herd the, uh, this week. So um, what's his name? Gottlieb came on. I'm not a huge fan of Doug Gottlieb. Gottlieb. Yeah. He uh, was talking about how he had he had some sources he talked to inside of the, the Rams organization that said there's a reason that we get up to the ball so quickly. And they were like, oh, well, oh, what? you want to I know exactly yeah, where you want to have the, yeah. the offense high pace. And they go, no, it's because the coach's microphone in the quarterback's ear cuts off after 15 yep. seconds. Yep. And they say they want Goff to get up to the line so McVay can tell him all the reads that he has mm-hmm. to make before he gets cut off. I was like, that's genius. Well, there was an article a couple of weeks ago about this and and we didn't do a show last week. So I, I actually wanted to bring this up. A lot of people think that this is it's kind of an unwritten rule. that That's bad uh, etiquette. No, no way. Again, this is what's, what the, the, what's the point this of having is the, the microphone article in? that I read. I yeah. didn't say it. Don't yell at me. But what's the point of having having the mic in the helmet if, if you can't do that, at least up to a point? Well, yeah, but nobody else has, has come up with the strategy of going, hurry up and get to the line so I can help you with your pre-snap reads. Yeah. This is brilliant. And, and again, it's the, the whole thing. I've got a young quarterback. Let me do everything I can to give him an advantage. Yeah. And you look at, we've, we've done this a million times, but just run through the quarterbacks that have been turned into great quarterbacks in the league and, and Roethlisberger and Brady and, and Russell Wilson. Winston. Well, Carson Wentz is one of these guys, though, yeah. too. But you, if you have a great team around you, you end up being a great quarterback. It makes it that much easier. And you watch the ups and downs these guys have when they nobody helps them get better. And Jeff Fisher, again, on his roster last year, had two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this year on his roster and couldn't do anything with him because he went, well, you need to get better. You need to do this. Just run out there. You're going to take your lumps. That's not the way to develop a guy. Protect them. Have a running game. Have a defense. We'll get them to the line so you can help them with their pre-game or pre-snap reads that's brilliant why doesn't jeff fisher just do what his calling is which is selling jet skis hey listen i want to get you a new jet ski that's gonna make you have just a totally tubular weekend what are you trying to get out of your summer you tell me that like what where do you see yourself this summer right you see yourself on the beach with that hot piece right and then when she says hey it's time to go you go all right let's hop on the jet ski that's where i come in brother there is not a lot of feelings that you're gonna have that are gonna give you any more thrill than the wind blowing through your mustache with that salty air riding your wave runner right down the beach bro let me ask you something you wear boxers or briefs because once you get the jet ski you can just start freeballing it because you're going to be hopping up and down on that I'm thing. I'm telling you, buddy, all you're wearing is board shorts. As soon as you get this thing and throw it on the trailer, what are you driving, a Corolla? Can't tow a boat in that. But no. guess what? You don't want to tow a boat anyways. This jet ski's going to give you everything you need to have a totally tubular song. You know who his, uh, his manager is? Is Trace McSorley. Trace McSorley is his number one uh, summer worker. There's no, you know what I mean? Comes like in, the dude that, that yeah, cleans just in the, the off season. Season, you mean? It's like, hey, Trace, I know you got to go back to school right now. 
Tell me you're going to be back next summer, bro. I've got an assistant manager job for you right here at the Jet Ski Emporium. You right come by back. Lake Minnetonka. That's right, buddy. Oh, it's now it's freshwater? Oh, I was on saltwater. Okay. Yeah, right here on Minnetonka. It's going to be sweet. It's going to be tight. Good versus evil is next. Center and Saint, 1080 The Fan. Not all news makes the front page. So now's the time to look at the stories you may not need to know about. That was a camera shutter. But you'll be glad you did. It's time for Good versus Evil with the Sinner and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. I don't think there was any one final straw. I just think that the... Uh, where we are as a franchise right now, you know, we're two and ten. We've kind of been spiraling out of control here. I just felt like we needed a complete overhaul. That was a white man with a lot of money and a crappy football team. New York Giants president John Mara and the G-Men finally ripped the Band-Aid off and fired head coach Ben McAdoo and general manager Jerry Reese. Side note, Ben McAdoo also yeah, could be a just great jet ski salesman. <laughs> he's, he's going in to work with Jeff Fisher right now. The mustachioed merchant was blamed for benching Eli Manning, New York's two in 10 record and again looking like a jet ski salesperson uh this is the first time the giants have fired a head coach in mid-season since 1976 hard to think a guy could be fired after leading his team to an 11 and 5 playoff appearance just the year before who do you see filling this role next season tom cable uh was the first rumor really (laughs) no but that's serious about that that's the first rumor that i heard yeah i actually saw that that we referenced this earlier but that was one of the uh articles that kind of popped up on my timeline can't you just look at tom cable's time in oakland though and say oh no he doesn't you don't know what he's doing yeah but you can do that with hugh jackson and but he's still the still the man in cleveland after they fired their guys though uh but yeah uh mcadoo for ski do here right that's what i'm waiting for mcadoo for ski do hi that's what it says on his card. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, filling the role. I don't know. I always have a hard time committing to any of this with the coaching searches. Again, it's probably my least favorite thing among uh, free agency as well. Uh, just for, listen, I have no idea who the right fit is for that team. I, I think you always go young if you're going NFL coach and you look how successful they've been with, you know, uh, McVay in Los Angeles. But at the same time, there's a lot of failures out there like Lane Kiffin's time in Oakland or, you know. Or anyone's time in Oakland, really. Uh, well, I mean, you're kind of pointing it out. Except but, for Del Rio. But that's, but that's after, I guess, that's yeah. post Al Davis. So anyways, uh, go young, go, uh, go the brightest minds. Uh, maybe uh, give what's his bucket uh, another shot. Josh McDaniels, who knows? Don't 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 really believe in type of shots like that, but just through the frustration process, uh, game of football emotions, uh, just just that's what what happened. That was dumb and celebrated white trash Rob Gronkowski. The Patriots tight end is apologizing for a cheap shot he took on Bills cornerback Trey Davius White after a fourth quarter interception during the Bills. Uh, yes, Bills lost last Sunday. The NFL suspended Gronk for one game because of the shoulder to the head hit. Meanwhile, on the other side of the AFC, Steelers rookie wide receiver Juju Smith Schuster was suspended one game for a clean hit on Bengals linebacker Vontas Perfect. Do you think the league office is giving special treatment to Gronk in this case? Well, I think Schuster's uh, Juju Smith Schuster's suspension was way more about the taunting. I mean, he decked perfect, but it stood over him for you know. A- that's what got the penalty. But it's the league, though, you know? 
I don't know. There's a big di- there's a big difference between dancing after a sack and standing over a dude staring him down. I don't know that to be true, but that's my guess is that he was suspended far more for the taunting than anything else. There is a theory this week that the reason Gronk uh, made that hit is because he was on Twitter all week in some battle with a WWE guy and had too much wrestling in his head. I think I heard it on the herd. That's the stupidest thing. He's a meathead. He's a moron. He just went back and had a dumb reaction. Had had the had that been, suspension been put down after the Monday night game, I think it would have been more severe. I've never thought about it like that. Neither have I. That's a really good point it brings up. That was the Japanese Babe Ruth, and please help me. Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, The Japanese 2A sensation decided to join forces with the other best baseball player on the planet, Mike Trout, and join the Angels next season. There's a lot of excitement surrounding Otani's play. He combines a 100-mile-per-hour fastball with a breaker that seems pretty tough to hit, at least looking at the YouTube videos. He also <laughs> batted a 322 and smacked 22 homers this season. Do you think his skills will translate well into the MLB? Yeah, there's a lot of guys that have success uh, going from Japan. So if you kind of look at where it ranks uh, compared to Major League Baseball, it's somewhere in between AAA and MLB as far as the talent level goes. So I don't know why it wouldn't work, and you put him – at a DH position when he's not pitching, I suppose. It'll be very interesting how they Nobody use him. That, 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 that's kind of the weird part of it. Like, yeah, you can't it, have him do both, can you? Yes, you can. I mean, they've the Giants have used uh, Madison Bumgarner as a DH a couple of times. But that's he, true. But he plays in the National League, so it's not like they have the opportunity on a daily basis. Whereas in Los Angeles, you can move Pujols to first base, who's your normal DH. So it makes sense that you have availability and uh, – I don't know why a kid at 23 wouldn't have the endurance to do it, but you really want to protect his arm. That's why you don't want to have him play in the field. Uh, you look at the contracts that guys like Zach Granke and uh, Clayton Kershaw get, the pitchers are more valuable in baseball. But the, you know what the highest paid position player is? DH. Yeah. So he's he's the two most valuable positions, so it allows him a lot. I just wonder if Otani uh, is a type of fish in Japan so that him and Trout can really be, you know, simpatico. You barely get that. Yeah, well. Here's my favorite story of the week. This one comes from the U.K. Local police report that a YouTube sensation named Jay Swingler, hell of a name, decided to run a high-risk stunt, so... He stuck a microwave on his head and filled it with cement. Then he freaked out because he realized a microwave was cemented to his head, and he called the police department, who got the damn thing off his head. He says, I was freaking out because I thought I was going to die. Who would have thought? (laughs) And then the fire department tweeted out, this is not funny. We spent like two or three hours trying to get this thing off this guy when we could have been doing way better things. Do we not already do this story? No. Do we do this something like this? this? Did we? Do, I know. Did we do another YouTube idiot thing recently? Well, everybody that makes a career off YouTube, in my opinion, is kind of a. a That's what I'm saying. But we did. It wasn't the exact same. We did already did one like this. So didn't we? I, 
Do you have your well, catalog? This is, this is new this, this week. This is idiotic. There's this no is... way in hell we already did this. This happened on Thursday. I guess. But <laughs> what? We did, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, though, every time you go, a YouTube star did something stupid, and the police go, well, this guy's a moron. That's I think there's a pattern emerging, I guess is what I'm trying to say. My favorite part is that he got it on. They started pouring the cement in, and it started to harden. And then that's when he went, oh, my God, I think I'm going to die. Call the fire department. Whoa. What in your right mind you realize, made you think that you wouldn't yeah. die? Yeah, and it's going to uh, create quite a bit of heat when it uh, hardens. Yes. Yeah, the whole thing. Why a microwave? What What is he doing? What are his other videos? Did you watch any of the crap that this moron puts out? No, I thought that was good enough. I didn't want to waste any more time, <sighs> though I did just talk about it. Yeah, now, now you've got us both talking about it, and all these poor people have to listen to us talk about it. <laughs> this moron. You're a moron. He's a moron. Moron with his with his microwaves and his cement, cementing them on his head. Listen, you you can you don't understand young people. That's very true. But I don't care how well you understand. That's stupid. Doesn't matter who you are. That's Whatever, stupid. Dad. You don't understand me. I hate you. You don't get it. This is my passion. Speaking of stupid, have you watched any Blazers games lately? Yikes. That's next. Center and Saint, 1080 the fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.